You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about the power of scarcity. Now, as someone who has spent years in the world of marketing, entrepreneurship, and coaching, I can confirm that mindset is pretty much everything from the way we position ourselves and our businesses and the way we think about how we run our lives and our businesses mindset really is relevant in all aspects of all of the things. And today we are going to do a deeper dive on the topic of scarcity. Today's guest is Mindy Weinstein, founder and CEO of Market Mindshift, of Market Mindshift, blending psychology and technology to build powerful marketing campaigns. And over the past five years, she has pursued her PhD in psychology and technology and has now launched her book, The Power of Scarcity, Leveraging Urgency and Demand to Influence Customer Decisions, which she actually got published with McGraw-Hill. And she's excited to now share it with the world. So we are going to dive into this more today. Welcome to Eloma Mindy. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Um, and Mindy, as we talked a little bit previous to, to jumping on and recording here, I'm also a fellow marketer and I love the psychology of understanding why we do what we do. But tell me a little bit more about what actually triggered you to really go all in and pursue a PhD in psychology and how it's influenced your approach to the work that you do. And I like how you asked that, like to go all in. Cause like, I think really? when I first started my PhD, I was like, I like school. Like this is going to be just a breeze. And then you realize, yeah, not so much. It's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, but what really prompted me to pursue a PhD in general psychology, cause that's with the emphasis in technology, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, was that I had a, a marketing background. I mean, I've been a marketer for over two decades. I've been a professor and taught marketing classes. And so I always was in the marketing world and got an undergrad degree in marketing, got my MBA in general business. But I felt like the one piece that I hadn't yet dove deep into was the psychology side. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as marketers, we always have the latest tool or technique or thing to check out, you know, and try to reach the right customers. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to connect with people, which means we yeah. really need to understand psychology and what drives our decisions and our behaviors. And so yep. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to pursue this, I'm going all in on psychology. And so that's what I did. Yeah. So, and how has that, So you obviously have been, you ran your business for years before you started this work. Now you've completed this degree. How have things changed? Yeah. Okay. So great question. So one of the things too, so while I've been running, you know, my business and doing marketing, I had also been teaching uh, full-time as a marketing professor. And so that's also just everyone understands is really like also a big part of the PhD side because in the academic world, that's important (laughs) to have that degree. And so, um, but I've actually now been taking a break for a little bit from the teaching side. Teaching is hard, man. It's it's a lot of grading. Yeah. It's a lot of time. (laughs) People don't realize we need to do better job of taking care of our teachers, but I digress. 
So true. I, yeah, I could go off on that too. Um, but going back to like how, and I think your question was, how has it really like changed things or evolved things? So it's been interesting because I have always applied a bit of psychology. I mean, throughout the years and what I'm doing, for example, when I first got started in marketing back in the day, it was as a copywriter. And so I realized, okay, well, certain words that we use are triggers, you know, and they get people to take action. And so as I started studying again, more on the psychology side, I started testing even more, like what if it was worded this way? And I'm not talking about manipulation because that is not at all. It's Mm -hmm. how are you setting up your business or your message in such a way that it resonates and catches someone's attention. So that's really where I started applying it. And then I even started testing, you know, different things as I was doing my studies, I would test them out, you know, in my business with my clients. Um, I don't think my kids will hear this, but I even tested maybe some psychology on them. (laughs) My two (laughs) teenagers, like if I do this, will they do their chores? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, A-B testing, you got to give it a shot. Yeah. So they were definitely some test subjects there. And so it just was a lot of that. And then, so with, um, and I don't want to get too far ahead because then we'll talk about the book material, but as again, as I was diving into all of these things, you know, so much of it had already I've been doing in practice without realizing there's actually a name for this in psychology, mm-hmm. or there's actually science behind this, or there's been studies that have proven this. And so it was a lot of validation. Yeah. For sure. Um, Has your deeper dive on psychology shifted the way that you market yourself or the services that you bring to your clients or, you know, your message in general? Absolutely. And so, you know, I want to also just kind of bring it from the big psychology, you know, because that's huge to really what I focus on. And so, Mm -hmm. What I have really focused on and studied heavily through case studies and then just my own research studies, you know, with participants is the psychology of scarcity. And so that specifically is what I have been applying. So I have been applying it in my own business when I even present, you know, it's, it's bringing in that messaging because, and with my clients too, because we can all put out promotional messages out there. We can all send emails. We can all do social media. We can all talk about our business, but are we setting ourselves apart? And that's really like when we get into scarcity talking about that today, that's what scarcity does. And so I absolutely have been bringing that in and applying it. And I know we're going to drill down into that more, but, um, it's powerful. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. So, so the power of scarcity and the idea of scarcity we're familiar with, you know, there's not enough for everybody. There's a lack, <laughs> right? Um, but how? what are some ways that entrepreneurs, business owners can be leveraging scarcity in either like their businesses, their business models, their messaging, their packages, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to define scarcity and how I'm using the term. So scarcity is any type of unavailability or restriction. So think of it that way. Now, when I first, okay. So just to kind of, I feel like you need to give the why, because sometimes Mm -hmm. I have people say out of all the things, scarcity is where you decided to go all in. Like, don't, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Like, I'm not questioning that at all. I'm like, yeah, that's (laughs) the sexy part. Let's go. Right. But then it's interesting. So when I started looking into like part of, part of the whole PhD, 
world, you know, is that you have to do your dissertation. And that's pretty yep. much what takes up the entire years of, yeah. of your program. And so I already knew I wanted to focus on something that had to do with what drives our decisions or what mm -hmm. influences us. And so as I was doing my initial research and all of that, I kept coming across scarcity over and over again. And my first inclination was, oh, well, I know scarcity. I'm a marketer. That just means that, yeah, there's only so much supply or, you know, the, the countdown for a sale. I mean, that's scarcity. But what I didn't realize until I started going into this research is that it is so much more nuanced than that. And I think as business owners and marketers, we think we have a grasp on it and, we're, and we'll just say, oh, this is a limited time offer. And we're like, oh, see, we're using scarcity. Mm -hmm. No, it, it's way deeper than that. And so I already defined what scarcity is, but one of the things that as I was studying, I mean, there are four types of scarcity. And so okay. I talk about these in my book and I'm still going to answer your question. I'm just giving like the super long answer. No, no, no this, I'm taking <laughs> notes. So keep going. Okay. So there's four times, of, four types of scarcity. There's the one that you'd mentioned supply. That's what we're, you know, a lot of us are familiar with. There's only so many items to go around, which mm -hmm. you see a lot of that, of course, uh, with like Nike drops, Nike can sure. technically put enough product out there but they don't, they, but they won't and it's it. intentional. Yeah. yeah. It's intentional. So that's supply related, but sometimes supply related can truly be a supply shortage. I mean, that does happen, sure. but it's any restriction on supply. So let's hold mm -hmm. on to that one. We'll, we'll table it for now. Then there's demand related scarcity. And so that does show truly that this is scarce because of high demand. So anytime you see most popular or best seller, that's a trigger to us and our brains of, okay, this must be good because people want it. So it's demand. And I, okay. you know, one of the questions that comes up is, isn't supply related and demand related the same? Not necessarily. I mean, you can run out of supply because of high demand, but it's still sure. different. It's based on the actual demand of it, but then there's time related and that's any restriction on time. So anytime that there is a sale, you know, and whether it's Black Friday or it's a countdown timer on a website or a coupon, or it's a limited time offering, that's time related. So that's mm -hmm. just a restriction on the time itself. And then the last one is a limited edition. And that's really a spin on supply related scarcity, but it's an, it's a variation of the original. And this one you can still do with services and <laughs> people don't realize yeah. it, but if you have a service, you could do a service bundle for a certain period of time, you can mm -hmm. offer something like I do a lot of consulting with real estate agents of, Hey, why not be creative and say, you know, for any buyers who close their transactions during this time period, they get free tacos for the year or whatever, you know, <laughs> something like that. Cause that sounds good. Limited it's a limited edition service. It's the taco real estate. I don't even know, like that kind of trailed off on that one, but you know, there's different <laughs> things you can do. So with that being said, there's a four types is that they work for different customers so if you have an audience or a customer base that they truly, truly value being unique in some way or different mm -hmm. or feeling special, which is a lot of us actually in our culture, yep. then supply related scarcity and limited edition going to really appeal to that customer. They don't want necessarily something that's most popular because then that means everyone else has it. They want yep. to be special. So, and I will give some more tactical examples in just a little bit, but demand related scarcity, that's really good. If you have 
let's say a product or service that is still fairly new and you are trying to show more credibility, then you can show that you know, this amount of people have purchased, you know, and you have sometimes if it's e-commerce based where it says how many are left, or you can put a designation of bestseller or most popular. That's mm-hmm. what 1-800-Flowers does. And I interviewed the CEO of um, of 1-800-Flowers in my book. And so he said, you know, we have so many different floral arrangements. So people will go on the website for Valentine's day. They don't know what to buy. So we help them out and we put, you know, the bestseller or most popular because yep. Now we know what's in high demand. So it helps people make quicker decisions. So mm-hmm. if you're trying, if you have a product that doesn't necessarily need to be unique for someone to feel special, but you're just trying to help them. Or the other thing with demand related is if you have an audience who really wants to feel like they belong to something, a community, mm. then demand related is really good for them. Time related works for most of the different types of customers, but it doesn't work for every product or service. So if you have something that's more luxury based or high end, don't do time related. You want to stay okay. away from that one. And so kind of giving you an idea and I can give you practical examples as we go, but what I love about scarcity and as I've been just keep diving in and, and consulting and testing is that it doesn't cost you money to implement it. It's just changing your words. I mean, that's all it is. It's just words matter. Yep. Words matter. The accelerator is exactly what you've been looking for. If you're either an executive woman ready to leave corporate and start your own thing, but don't know where or how to get started, or you're an existing woman, small business owner, and you're ready to level up your business. We've built a -a one-of-a-kind six-month training program with over a dozen industry experts that took me nearly a decade to assemble, and I am delivering this to you on a platter. I have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and months of wasted time and energy over the last decade by not having these resources available to me. And I want to change the way women are running their businesses so they can make more money faster with less anxiety and fewer unreliable partners which is why we've built the Accelerator. It's time to level up and make sure you're leveraging your business to support the life you want to be living personally, professionally, and financially. Learn more at rixrixaccelerator.com. Can you give us a couple examples of like, oftentimes people will do this, but Uh really this is much more impactful or effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's say, um, we'll just run through them and I'll give you some brand examples too. So supply related. So let's say that you decide you're going to go that route and you're like, you know, my audience or my customers, they do want to feel special and they want to be mm-hmm. unique. Well, there's a couple things you can do. So let's say that you, this would work for service or product oriented business doing invite only events for certain customers, huge okay. on the supply related, because that's exclusive. And people love that. Having any kind of VIP membership falls within supply related and it ignites that feeling of, again, I'm unique, I'm special, I have something that not everyone else has. That's Mm -hmm. really, really big. You might also choose too to have certain products or services that you don't offer all the time. And when you do that, you let them know that this is an exclusive offering. Okay, I'm just going to... I'm going to give you a bunch of examples. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm on a roll in my head here. So 
Um, even having, like, if you already have your customer base or even email base of letting, let's say your more loyal customers and letting them know that they're your loyal customers, let them get early access to something that you're offering. Because even though that might not seem like scarcity, it really is because it's restricted. You're only letting Mm -hmm. a certain amount of people to do this. So that's really, really big. I already gave you the Nike example for supply related, but I'll give you another example. And it's one um, from my book too. And so supply related, when we think about this, I mean, there is an example I want to give is actually more of an event-based business just to kind of broaden the examples. And so they have a membership community and they have events every single month. And so what they have started to do is, which you see this sometimes, you know, where they have an event coming up, they always let people know, this is how many seats we have available because <laughs> it's actually natural scarcity. Mm-hmm. This is how many, we can only fit 50 people in this room. We can only have 50 chairs. And so they do make a point to let people know with emails, you know, we have this amount left and then we have this amount and they mm-hmm. just start counting down. And when I interviewed the founder of that company, he said, when we don't send out messages like that, he goes, our community actually gets upset <laughs> because they want to know. And so it's supply related. Mm. And of course it does show a little bit of demand. So sometimes these do cross over a little bit, sure. but it does show that too, that there's the supply does dwindle. And then also again with the demand side, but you can also even do it if you are in a sales conversation. So let's say you are a consultant and you work directly with clients. Well, you don't have more than 24 hours in a day. We Mm -hmm. all have the same amount. You can only work with so many people. That's natural scarcity. So Mm -hmm. making a point to say, you know, during that call with the prospect of, you know, I work with five clients at a time and I do have one opening right now. Mm -hmm. You don't ever want to make it up, you know, be honest, but if you truly look at your business, trust me, you have some type of real scarcity. Whether it's only so many products that you have produced, or if it's just, again, your time. Now for demands, a great example of that one, I I talked about most popular, but I'll talk about another one. And this actually really helps on the product side of things. So I interviewed a woman um, in my book and she founded a jewelry company and it's actually pretty big jewelry company. Uh, uh, When I wrote the book, I think their revenue was 20 million a year, which I'm sure it's higher now, but she said she stumbled across demand related scarcity by accident. And she was always concerned about not having enough product. And so she would, you know, order deep for each you know, line of product that she had, but then she really did run out. And so she said that they sent out an email um, letting customers know that they had just restocked that item. And all they did was put restocked in the subject line and mm. it sold out right away. Again, because nice. all of a sudden, this is what happens with that is in our brains, we're thinking this sold out before and must be really good. It's back. Let's make a, let's make our quick decision. And so um, just a really good example of demand related time related. You can do a lot of things <laughs> with that. Uh, but like I said, think about your business. If you're more of a high end business or a luxury brand, you're not going to want to use that. But you know, if you're just like, Hey, I'm not in that category. You can give it a try. So you could do any kind of 
promotion. So it could be if people bought from you from this time period, you know, it's 20% off or they get this extra item. It could be a, if you sell products on your website, that countdown timer, which it's funny that the countdown timer, because I think most of us see those and we get all stressed out, but they actually work. And so mm-hmm. I interviewed, yeah, um, yeah, I interviewed someone in my book. He has an e-bike company and he says, whenever they add a countdown timer to their sale on their website, he said that their sales increase by 40%, 40. It's not like it costs you wow. money to add that countdown timer. But you could also, let's say you're doing an event or you have something special coming up. You can even use a countdown timer just to get people excited because that's going to yeah. still trigger that. Oh, wow. Look at the clock. Time's going down and time's running out. And you can do that just more as a tactical side in emails and social media because really easy. You can go on your phone. There's apps that have countdown timers. And so mm-hmm. really great things you can do or limited time offerings too, which McDonald's, I interviewed the VP of global marketing or former VP of global marketing for McDonald's. He was there for 40 years. And we talked a lot about limited time offerings that McDonald's does, you know, where the McRib or the Shamrock Shake, or Mm -hmm. they had their adult Happy Meal not that long ago. So just different examples of things that you can tactically do and they work. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm writing down ideas over here. (laughs) I love it. Um, here's a question for you. Do you tend, or could one, uh, assume to see the opposite effect if you didn't do those things? So like if you had a workshop or an event coming up and you didn't say, Hey, we only have 50 spots or, or you don't do the countdown or you don't say, Oh, we only have 10 spots left. Can you expect to see the opposite happen? Like, can you expect to not fill that room, et cetera? Yeah. So, um, yes. I mean, you know what, too? That just makes me think I need to step back and tell you a little bit of what's going on inside of the brain when we're faced with this. Because when you don't do those things, you don't create a sense of urgency and you're also not informing your customers. And so it can definitely impact really the success of, yeah, if it's an event of people feeling like, okay, well, I don't really need to worry about it or sign up, but, um, but yeah, what I does, a little bit about what yeah, what happens yeah. in the brain that yeah. is like, oh, I have to pay attention. Oh, this is important yeah. versus like, because I know we get so much information thrown at us all day, every day, and we're making a million decisions every day, but it's like, is this important? Do I need to think about this versus what, what are the triggers that are like, yes, this yeah. is the thing. Okay. And so this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part about the whole topic of scarcity. And it's actually what led me down that route to study. And so when I was looking at all the different influence factors, scarcity kept coming up in studies over and over again as being the most powerful. And it's because of what happens to our brain. So there have been MRI scans studies. So again, when I say MRI, I mean we're looking at the brain. That's important yeah. to remember. Yeah. So there's been a multiple studies, but I'll focus on two. And one of the studies looked at what happens in the brain when we are faced with scarcity, but when it comes to a sale, I mean, that's what, not scarcity where you're going to tell someone they're not going to get food or water. I mean, scarcity of like someone is signing a limited time offering or sale or something like that. And so what researchers have found is that when faced with that type of scenario, 
the parts of our brain that have to do with valuation or even decision-making start to light up. And there's one more, and I'm going to finish talking about this whole thing. This other study that I want to mention, and I'll bring it back around, is another study using MRI scans that looked at how do people react to auction simulations, which is also scarcity. So think like eBay. So people are like hooked up and it's like they're on eBay and they're bidding on products. And so same thing, researchers were able to see that there was certain parts of the brain that were lighting up instantly. So between the two studies that were done, what we've been able to conclude is that when faced with scarcity, again, nothing to do with survival at all. Yeah. The part of the brain that has to do with decision-making, like I said, it lights up right away, but through that, we're able to see that the normal steps of the decision-making process are actually skipped. The brain just sees scarcity, Ah. decision, scarcity, decision. So huge. But then valuation, I mentioned that. So here's something that's really powerful too, is that our brain, when we see something that's scarce, whether it is invite only event or the most Mm -hmm. popular item or selling out or restocked or whatever it might be, is that our brain starts to think that is very valuable. Scarcity equals value. So here's the big thing with all of this is then our brain starts to focus on that and it's urgent. And it's the same thing Mm -hmm. that's happened since the dawn of mankind where our ancestors were faced with scarcity. Now they were faced with scarcity of food and water, not eBay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. food, water, and shelter, but the brain still reacts the same way. When our brain sees that something is going to be hard for us to get, it makes it urgent and the decision comes with it. So there also is the part of fear and, you know, FOMO Mm -hmm. is of course what's talked about a Mm -hmm. lot, but FOMO is tied with scarcity. Now in the psychology world, we don't refer to it as FOMO. We refer to it as loss <laughs> that's, aversion. That's not the same thing. That's not the official term. <laughs> no, uh, excuse me. This is the definition school. of FOMO yeah. in my textbook. <laughs> right? That is chapter two. No, uh, <laughs> but loss. So it's a loss aversion. And so yeah. we are wired to avoid loss. Yeah. We don't want to experience loss mm-hmm. even more so than getting excited about gain. Our feelings will be a lot stronger when it comes to loss. Mm-hmm. So with all that in mind, going back to your question of what happens when you don't use scarcity, well, you're just missing out on that whole opportunity to create that urgency or to get someone off the fence because maybe they were already thinking about going to your event, but hadn't thought about it in a while or like, Oh, I got plenty of time. But if you're all of a sudden like, Hey, you know, there's, you know, we're 75% sold out. That is going to get you off the fence. I just mm-hmm. had that happen recently. And here I, I study scarcity and I, I still scarcity gets me. That's how powerful it yeah, is. Well, of course. Yeah. There was a conference and I was on the fence about attending it. I'm like, maybe I will. And then I just kind of, as most of us do, I closed out the email. I flagged it to look at later. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a follow-up email from this conference and they, and the, email actually said something to the effect of something to do with the venue that they were at, that they were going to have to reduce the attendance size in half and and wanted to let, you know, and that just, you know, if you're thinking about attending, you know, make sure you get your seat. Well, I got off the fence because I was like, I wasn't sure, but now I'm like, oh, I don't want to miss my chance. There's 50% less available. (laughs) Call me in. Right. And obviously that's not going to be the case case for every event, but it was truly the case with this one. So again, scarcity got me off the fence, but letting people know, I mean, it's 
to me, letting them know it does get them off the fence, but it also just even creates that relationship of you're keeping them informed. And you don't yeah. want to ever make anything up because if people no. show up and there's like almost empty. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> oh, you out. lied. You're a yeah. liar. <laughs> exactly. So it has to be real. Yeah. Um, Mindy, what is, you've talked a little bit about like why you wanted to get into this, some of your favorite parts of studying this topic, but what's your favorite part of your book? Yeah. Um, so, oh, and that's, that's actually a harder question because <laughs> oh, I can tell you this. Okay. So or like favorite like, topic, favorite like experience. Okay, say, well, like, love, like what was the, the favorite piece? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, well, I mean, really the favorite, the most interesting piece to me that I included had to do with what happens in the brain. And I wish I mentioned already, but I will say just overall, my favorite part of the book are the stories that I have weaved in. So here's the thing. And I want to tell you this part. So I had been studying scarcity for years, again, academic and, and testing and practicing it in my business. But when I started working on my book, I knew that I wanted to include a lot of different examples and case studies, really their case studies or whatever yeah. my book. And so I ended up interviewing, I already mentioned, I interviewed the former VP of global marketing at McDonald's. I interviewed Kevin Harrington, who was one of the original sharks on Shark Tank. And he's mm. the, he's the creator of the infomercial, which is super interesting. Um, I interviewed the founder of 1-800-Flowers and they own Harry and David. And so I'm telling you, I have a lot of stories like that. What was so interesting for me is that I already felt like I knew scarcity inside and out. And then when I started talking to these different brands, I'm like, they are using it in a whole way that is so fascinating and there's different outcomes. So I talked about what happens in the brain, but I will tell you that Harry and David, they use scarcity to create community. So they have these like subgroups of people and they invite customers and they'll say, you know, if you are love gourmet food or they have different calls to action in their emails, you know, we are, we have the subgroup coming up. There's usually 20 to 30 people. I think that they had in there and these people would get access to special products, but it built mm -hmm. community because those people would start to interact. Same thing. Uh, when I interviewed another business, they brought up community that when people were waiting for their product, cause they were on a wait list. Oh, I didn't even mention wait lists. I forgot about that. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. I'm sorry okay. uh, for whoever um, is <laughs> editing no, this. There's, there yeah, was I know, a... I forgot about the national alert. <laughs> yeah, national alert happening right now. So let's talk about wait lists. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, okay. So going back to this wait list. Well, okay. Let me just close out the thought about the businesses that I yeah. interviewed and then we'll go back to wait list. So to me, the most, as I mentioned, the most fascinating part was talking to these different brands and just realizing that they're building communities, they're building relationships, they're having fun with scarcity. And it was just fascinating to see the outcomes of scarcity beyond what it's doing to the brain, but wait lists. So I didn't even mention that. So I want to make sure and bring that up because that's a really easy thing to do for your business is that if you have Again, consulting business and you can only work with so many people or it's a service oriented people or business, then it's okay to say like, while we might not be able to work with you at the moment, I would love to add you to our wait list. So when we have an opening, 
we can start the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing because you're not going to then lose that person. It makes them actually want to work with you even more. But you could do the same thing with products. I mean, if a product sells out, put people on a wait list. If you have an event coming up, put them on the wait list. You have a new launch, wait lists are big. And so they show credibility and they even create excitement too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Mindy, so you, you've launched your book. There's lots going on. We're talking, we've talked a lot about the book. Um, what impact do you want to make on the world and, or what legacy do you want to leave? That is not an easy question. (laughs) No, it's it's not intended to be. It's it's supposed to be a thinker. You know, it's interesting because I mean, I have talked, of course, a lot about the book and scarcity and all of that, but when I think about my legacy, I just want to be remembered literally as someone who helped other people. And this was something that was a huge part of when I was a professor. I could help one student figure out their career, which is going to change the whole trajectory of their life. Like, yeah, wow, like that's huge. And so I think about that actually a lot. And yeah, I mean, it does still tie with what we're talking about. If I can help a business owner take some of these principles and catapult their business and leave a legacy for their family, can that's big. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot about that. I don't want to just be remembered for, oh, you know, I did this or that. It's it's how did the impact how did what I I told someone or helped or mentored someone and what did it do in their lives? Yep. I agree with that. Um I apologize, but I got one more for you. You ready for this? Um What is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Okay, that, yeah, that is, that's deep. That's really deep. Well, I will tell you that I didn't set up, like, I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur, even though I have my own business, because it wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm going to do this. It's that it just happened. (laughs) It just happened. As it does for most people. Yeah. And so I think for me, like one of the biggest things that just lessons learned or or insights is just, it's a perseverance that even those Mm -hmm. times where you're just, oh my gosh, I can't do this. You know, one of the things I've told myself and actually came from my mom is an entrepreneur is that, you know what, if you need to sulk or be stressed today, you do it, but then tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to get right back on it. And yeah, that is something, a lesson that I, I still have to tell myself those pep talks sometimes like, okay, you got this. Yep. And it's just, let's start the next day new. Yeah. Yeah. Tenacity and resiliency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Um, Mindy, thank you so much for sharing all these tips. I've taken down lots of notes. I hope that everybody who's listening has also been taking down notes and can take your words of wisdom, improve their businesses and for everybody listening, don't forget to go ahead and check out her whole book. You can download it and buy it in all different formats, uh, Power of Scarcity. And then you can take even more notes on all of the different ways you can improve your business. Um, Mindy, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch and learn more, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, I make it really easy. So if you just go to powerofscarcity.com, That'll take you right to my website. It'll take you to information about my book, but it has my contact information, ways to reach me. And yeah, I would love to continue the conversation with anyone who wants to learn more. 
Yeah. Awesome. And we'll make sure that that's in the show notes as well. For anybody listening, uh, if you've enjoyed this interview as much as I have, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you are listening. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly, uh, well, actually bi-weekly uh, email newsletter at rixrixnewsletter.com. And Mindy, again, thank you so much for your time and sharing your words of wisdom. Thank you for having me. If you're interested in asking me questions about running your business, but you're working on a budget and only need a teeny tiny bit of handholding right now, check out the CEO hotline. This is an online community that I'll be managing on a weekly basis, answering questions about running your business. And then we'll have a monthly live Q&A where I'll answer whatever questions you have in real time. Learn more at rixrixceohotline.com. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. 